0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to In Curious Company. Yes, I know, it's been four months since episode two. COVID-19, work, and a new normal. There were moments where I did think to myself, that maybe this making a podcast idea is a passing phase. But then thinking about it again, I feel I was missing the drive to have conversations and put them out there for people to listen. There's a larger narrative in place, what good could my work really do? I had to remind myself that I started out on this project of one episode per month with a vague vision in mind, barely a short title, and predominantly aimless direction. No fun trying to be all motivated and scheduled about it now, or even getting worked up about it. This is supposed to be fun, not a chore. So it was a pleasant feeling when I found myself excited again about a conversation that I've been brooding on for a good part of 2 years now. On this episode, I speak to a fellow Toastmaster and a finance expert about personal finance, something that I've been paying more attention to lately in my life. I think that everyone should too as well. And this isn't a bunch of sage wisdom, but just life hacks to make sure that we have the right goal in mind. On this episode, I'm speaking to Gagan Lalwani, a chartered accountant, entrepreneur, and the treasurer of the club that we are part of, Emirates Toastmasters Club. He's worked with KPMG, been the financial controller of a local bank here in Dubai, and now runs his own consulting firm called The Accountant's Box, specializing in VAT consulting. With all that wealth of experience, I couldn't have found a better person to have a brain smash with. About personal finance. I bring you my conversation with Gagan Lalvani. All right, mm-hmm. so we are going live. Make sure that you're in a comfortable position. Yes. I can see the smile on your face, yes. Gagan. Yes. It shows me that you're excited. So today we want to talk about personal finance. And before we talk about personal finance, there's a reason why we're talking to you for that mm-hmm. topic so tell me what is your background in finance and what how has your journey
1: been so i am best described as accidental accountant and <laughs> there is a very interesting story so uh, after graduation i did not know what to do so i started selling credit cards and credit card used to be novelty you know you have to actually explain people what a credit card is so invariably, the only people who would understand what a credit card is accountants, chartered accountants. And I used to go to their of offices so often and I used to see them making money. And I used to see people sitting outside their office waiting just to talk to them and give them money. And I thought, wow, this is a beautiful career I should pursue. So within a month of joining that credit credit card selling company, I started pursuing chartered accountancy and that was 20 years ago. So it's been an incredible journey. Uh, I started with, uh, my first job was in KPMG in Dubai. So I have never worked anywhere else except Dubai. And this is the place where I have lived longest. So through this job, I have actually traveled across the country and across the region. And through this job, I have been through many experiences in different setups so it's been an incredible journey as well as incredible learning you know where you see best companies every day every week you meet people across organization any department because everybody is touched by accounting or finance so it's an exciting day every day you have a new client And you have something new. So everything is unique. And that keeps me really excited and motivated every day. I'm always looking at, okay, what do I have today? And it's never the same.
0: Excellent. Now, as you said your story, there were a couple of questions that came up in my head. When you said you took up, you know, you decided to become a CA. CAs are usually synonymous with people who are grueling you know, trying to pass those exams. And I know this from personal experience because my wife is a CA. I was there with her during the time when she was preparing to give her exams. And I know how stressed she was. So tell, tell us about that aspect of your life where you were preparing to become a CA. How was it for you?
1: So it's a very humbling and sobering experience in my own experience. When I started Chartered Accountancy, as a student, I used to listen to Metallica and (laughs) Guns N' Roses. And those used to be my favorite, you know, in in those 90s days, singers. Or John Bon Jovi, i still uh, mesmerized by him. And when I actually finished my CA, I I was listening to more uh, religious songs, (laughs) Jagjit Singh, you know, God will take care of you. (laughs) So that's been my journey. It has actually uh, uh, helped me. Uh, calm down and evolve because it's not a journey about learning accounting it's it's also about introspecting because you can never read books and become CA Uh, it's more about personality that you have to sit down understand things which is where at best your books can take you to but you have to go beyond you know you have to introspect you for, for which you have to sit down And I think that's where a lot of people fail that they fail to sit down and introspect. And that's what uh, my best takeaway from CA exams were. Uh, In terms of knowledge, I didn't find uh, knowledge as difficult, but I found handling my own way of learning more difficult.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think while you say that, a couple of things that come into my mind is it. It truly is when you see something larger than yourself and how it humbles you. And I can see that, Gagan, you're such a grounded person. And I truly believe when you say that, that it was a humbling experience because you sound like a grounded person as well, even though there's a wealth of knowledge and information that you have to be responsible for. And I think anyone in that position has to be ready to handle that responsibility, to shoulder that responsibility. And I think staying grounded is one of those key things to be level-headed as well. I'm coming off the back of watching a documentary about Michael Jordan. He, in the span of eight years, won six championships. Now, the mentality of a champion, one of the key ingredients, I think, is staying grounded. So the minute you say that it humbled you and it made sure that it grounded you, I 100% agree that it's a key ingredient into developing yourself as a champion as well. Um, So yeah, great, great, great takeaway from becoming a CA. Now I want to double back to your first point that you said where you said you were selling credit cards because that's one of the things that has some importance in what we talk about in personal finance. Quick question. Credit cards, yes or no, personal finance
1: so i have a credit card and answer is definitely yes but what is no is keeping that credit card in your wallet credit card is easy money and a lot of time it is handy but it is not something which you should use it or misuse it it is something which is there to help you when you need So one of the example I had was a lot of time when I was traveling, I would not have cash. I would uh, go out of money very quickly, not realizing that how much money I need. And in those instances, credit card actually helped me. So as a product, I feel it's, it's a beautiful product. We tend to misuse it actually. And that is something we need to be aware of. So buy a credit card. Don't. Take it uh, along when you go to a mall. Just keep it at home.
0: (laughs) So you think the problem is not with the tool, but the problem is with the person using the tool? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And how would someone escape the downfalls of the tool? Or where do you think are people slipping up? And how can they avoid that?
1: So in general, uh, we are looking for gratifications. And most of the time, gratification comes from spending so when we are uh, not feeling high when we are feeling d- down or low our instant reaction is that let's go out uh, let's eat something let's buy something and these are the ways where we try to justify that things are okay it's not as bad and i think we sh- these are the places where we need to be very mindful uh, to not really uh, get carried away and whether it's credit card or in general money we need to be very careful the difficulty is uh, that how to control the usage and the only way to control the usage is not to carry it along and be mindful that when you're emotional or impulsive when you're feeling low it should never be in your sight because I'm sure you're going to buy that Fancy watch, you've always been wanting to buy. This is the time, so that's my and that's that's how I avoid misusing any product uh, or any tool Uh, not to keep it too available, Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, make it slightly difficult that you know you have to put an effort to reach out to.
0: Yeah, so going back to your story again, and this is the third time I'm going back to your story because I found it so interesting and I was trying to understand these little nuances in your story you said when you were selling those credit cards there was something that you noticed with the CAs that they were making money and it to me that sounds like money was surely a motivation to get to where we are and you're not alone in that everyone including myself we're trying to hustle we're trying to do these things to make sure that we get money larger question what's the peak Is there a peak to get money? What are we
1: trying to achieve here? Very important question. And I think uh, this is a question which I have been asking myself as well. And there is no one answer for all of us. We all have different answers and we all have different peaks. So when I was starting my career, it was very important that I get on my feet. And money was important because I didn't want my father to continue paying my bills. And I did not know what is the peak, but yes, I wanted to make money. And I was confident that if I become CA, then I will definitely make money. Uh, But on a broader question of what is the peak, answer is uh, there is no peak per se. There is always an ambition. And and there's nothing wrong with having an ambition either. What's important is that uh, you should always keep ambition in a perspective. So if I work 24 hours and I can achieve higher peaks but perspective is that, okay, do I get to see my son that particular day? And if I don't see him on a particular day, then I feel guilty. So I don't want to achieve that peak but at the same time if I don't see my son but I'm contributing to something so I'm very passionate about uh, creating employment for people uh, back home in India and I travel a lot for for that purpose so I'm t- setting up my back office in India I could do it here as well but I feel uh, you know this is a purpose you know I could contribute something And if I don't see my son there. Then I don't feel that guilty. You know I I feel that okay. It's good to reach. uh, A certain level of peak. With personal compromises. If it's serving a purpose. So our belief also helps us. You know. Push us harder and faster. But at the same time. Keeping us grounded. And keeping us realistic. And also. I use this word very uh, often. Keeping us mindful of what we are gaining, but also what we are losing.
0: I think I'm sensing a general theme here, and which is a good theme, is to be is to stay grounded. So, yeah, i I think I completely agree. Every time I'm confused about what am I leading to, what am I trying to achieve, I think it has to be a balance or a mix of things like you said. It doesn't have to be that one certain peak at all times. And those peaks might change or those ambitions might change as well. But I guess it's when you have that cloudy judgment or when you have too many things going on in your head and it's just more questions rather than answers. And I would look towards somebody like a mentor or somebody like yourself who's more grounded to shake you and remind you that, hey, it's not just this one thing that you're trying to achieve. It's a lot of things and you have to balance your plate. So I think, yeah, truly golden words right there. So going back to, you know, your younger self. Now, if you were to put yourself in those shoes again, what advice would you give your younger self? Would you do anything differently? Or would you say, I've learned something right now that I wish I had learned back then?
1: So I think uh, we always want to go back and change things. But also it's important that if I have not gone through this experience. I would not know what to change. So very uh, uh, difficult question to answer what would I change. Uh, There's one possible answer which I would always say is that uh, Don't look for jobs. Uh, I took my first job because that was possibly the only available job. A lot of time, we do not spend enough time thinking what do we really like. There are a lot of uh, factors influencing our decisions. So take your time, do your internship, talk to people. And I'm talking in terms of money because whatever you do, you will accumulate money. But in the process of accumulating that money, you lose out on experience. So, do not lose out on experience. Make sure what you do, you like it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And in terms of personal
0: finance, now you've sold credit cards, you're a CA. I feel like you have that upper hand in terms of a regular person in managing their finance or just money in general. So what would you, at this point, give your younger self advice in terms of personal finance? Other than make sure you're balancing everything, of course.
1: Uh, So money... uh, So as usual, when I was younger, I wanted to make money. And thankfully, I made a lot of money. But... I bought something which I'm not using and I think that's where it haunts me every day. Uh, I bought three houses within five years of becoming chartered accountants. All of them are in India. All of them are empty, vacant. Nobody is using them. And despite being knowledgeable about finance, I felt somewhere I did not... Uh, succeed uh, in terms of personal finance i could have been more uh, rational in what i do with money i have so it's not just important to make money it is also important to understand what can you do with this money and that is a journey which i am still on you know so i have stopped thinking about earning as much but i have started thinking more on okay what can i do now Uh, that's my experience with uh, personal finance okay and if i may
0: ask at that point when you decided to buy those houses was there any certain reason why you thought that this might be what i need to do right now or was it just knee-jerk reaction or maybe advice from somebody else
1: so first house was always a desire that you know you wanted a bigger house for family so that was more of a need Uh, which is actually not a need because i never went back to india and if i look at me as of now i don't intend to go back to india so whenever we think of committing to something long term we need to really see whether it adds value second house was prices were increasing it was a good investment opportunity so let's buy one more Third one also was okay. You know there was something very tempting. Okay, let's just do it. Uh, okay, we will sell it off and we will use the money. But point is that it's not easy to sell either. And if one of you ha- if any of you has uh, seen movie Lord of the Rings, you you have the ring. You cannot let it go so easily. It-
0: That's true. <laughs> As a nerd, I completely understand. <laughs> So that also brings up another important question. When Now that we are on the topic of investments, uh, this is something that I've been researching in the recent past. And I find that really interesting. As a non-accounting, non-finance person, as an IT guy, I like how the data that contributes to this. And to me, I've reached a point where I'm not attached to the money. Which means what I mean by that is if I have $1,000 today and I lose it because of circumstances, not my own decision making, but I lose it due to circumstances, I'm not sad. I feel like it's like a game of snakes and ladders where I just came down a snake. I can still proceed, I can still climb up ladders, but it's still it's more like a game to me now. So not that I'm taking it frivolously, but I'm not giving it the overly attachment that a lot of people might do. While I'm on that, another part of me wants to be financially independent. I don't want to rely on a person giving me a salary or a business that generates income for me. Well, possibly in the future it could be. These are avenues that I might explore But the idea behind anything that I might do is to make sure that I'm financially independent. Whether I retire early or retire later, I feel retirement is a, again, very relative term, like you said previously. So these are the two things which are the bedrock of my foundation. So given that I look at it as if I'm trying to defeat the game or beat somebody in the game and also trying to be financially independent what should I do in terms of investments that could give me that additional advantage from your
1: experience? That's a very, very uh, important uh, perspective, you know, being financially independent. And that goes back to the, uh, the discussion, you know, when... We said, okay, I took my first job because I had to take it. It was more influenced by a situation rather than a decision. Uh, It's very important for us to understand what do we want to do. It's it's just one life. And how much time do we need to do that? And as long as you are in the race, you will never be able to do it. But it's not a one-way journey either. You cannot say that you will live in Dubai, on Sheikh Zayed Road and be financially free because it, it takes time. Uh, you have to build your reserves, you have to build cash flows and you have to sometime downscale. So it's a combination of investing money which gives you a certain level of income every month but it also means that you cut your expenses, you start critically evaluating okay does this thing add value to me am i spending money which i can save somehow because money saved is money earned in the end uh, like an accountant we are buying time and we are selling time so if you buy if you want to buy your own time and that's essentially financial freedom in nutshell is buy your own time It's not about being retired or not because you will always do something. If you want to buy your own time, then you have to pay the price. The price is your comfort now. So keep aside some income, invest it. Invest it in a way which gives you certain income regularly. But also make adjustments to your life where you can cut out those elements which are not important enough. And those are different for different people. So, uh, this is my advice and, uh, and I think uh, every person, Nikhil, this is just such an important thought you've, you've just laid, uh, it is such an important thought, okay, so how many lives do we have? Uh, when will our employer ask us to leave? Are we ready for that situation? Uh, when do we want to cut off? When do we have something more important? So I want to spend more time right now. I don't know about tomorrow. Right now, I want to more spend more time with my son. Because after a while, he will not be available. So financial freedom is the only thing that gives me that uh, capability.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think you've given me another idea that it's not just a singular motivation that might lead you to financial independence. For you, it's spending that quality time with your family and your son that's driving you. And for me, I don't even know what's driving me yet, but I know that I want to get there. Maybe because I'm a competitive person innately, I just find one thing that I want to try and achieve. And then I try to figure out all the rules around it. And I try to play that game. But I think what's more endearing to me is that you've got that emotional, heartfelt connect driving you forward. And that's something that I would hope to get someday as well. Okay, so we've touched on personal finances, uh, things that we should and shouldn't do. What should drive us? What should motivate us? Do you find personal finances are different from business finances? Because obviously you take care of your own finances, and then obviously you've done things like mergers and acquisitions. You've worked with KPMG for so long. You run your own business right now, so I'm sh- you've got a wealth treasure trove of business finance information do you find personal finance any different from that
1: i think they both are uh, same finance is finance everywhere what uh, we are slightly more disciplined when it comes to business finance and uh, personal finance we generally take it for granted so money uh, buy stuff everywhere i would say uh, There's no difference between business and personal finances.
0: Okay. And as a layperson, obviously as a business finance person, you keep track of a lot of things because you know that it affects your business. But as somebody who manages their personal finance, do you think we look at enough news or should we be looking at enough news to understand how it affects us? What are your
1: thoughts on that? So, most of it is not uh, news-driven per se. So, if I'm sending my son to school, then it is uh, more driven by, okay, what is my expectation from him? Where do I want him to be in next couple of years? Uh, so, it's very important to define the goals. When we... Uh, Go to a business, they have a vision. They have a mission. And they have their five year plan and annual budget. So they're very clear on okay, what do you want to do as a company? What's your mission? What's your plan for next five years? What do you want to achieve this year? When it comes to our personal lives, we are not clear enough. We don't know what do we want, what do we want. So we may end up buying that fancy car. But maybe maybe there is something more important, you know, which needs more money. So it's very important. Personally, I think that, you know, we should also start looking at what's our, and this is connecting throughout our theme of discussion today. What do we want to do? Uh, What's our vision? What are our values? And how long do we want to work? Uh, How much money do we want to make to fulfill that mission, vision, whatever it is? And how much money should we save? And key is that, you know, we should, like you said that we have so many questions so it's it's very important that we keep asking those questions it's not really uh, you know uh, it's not necessary that you know we keep running every day and do not pause we should also sit down introspect
0: yeah i definitely think that's a healthy habit that we should all have asking yourself these questions over and over again even though they might seem a bit daunting and even if some of those questions don't have answers, at least you're seeking for, that, for those answers. And I think trying to seek for those answers is how I sort of stumbled upon this conversation with you as well. And I think a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends might not even focus or pay attention enough and make sure that their futures are secure by just that little bit of finance planning. And sometimes this might not even a topic that comes up in general conversation because the first thing that I I'm not really sure from where it comes is obviously people don't tell each other how much they earn and I think it's a taboo topic of sorts not because somebody has said don't talk about it but it's more of an internal setting that says don't tell that other person and maybe it's just a fear of judgment and I understand that but Even if you don't share it with others, I think regardless of whether you make $100 or $1,000, you still need to, like you said, set up some goals. And the only person who can set those goals for you is yourself. You could ask somebody to set it for you, but maybe they might just charge you a little bit extra for that.
1: (laughs) I think uh, that's a very valid point. So... It's not uh, a very uh, healthy uh, way of thinking that uh, that you should not discuss finances. You should always discuss finances. Now, you could be selective in, in who do you discuss your finances with. And uh, you should trust that person. But you should always have a mentor or a, or a guide. Because in the end, whether you earn $100 or $100,000, you have a future and you have a expectation now you may not have formalized it so that guide can actually help you ask questions ask right question and make you realize and keep a watch on you whether you are following or not now we should always have somebody and in some way you know I've been lucky that uh, I have a network of people who are cfos and we understand this objective so even if we ourselves are you know uh, knowledgeable about finance but we keep talking about our lives with others because just to make sure that we are not missing out on something but it's very difficult to open up i agree with you completely
0: yeah it's kind of like a touchy topic right yeah. but it's it's almost walking a tightrope Because you want to get that information from everyone else. Not how much they make, but rather, you know, what else are you doing to beat the system or, you know, try to win the game? You know, I want to know that little cheat code as well. But if somebody asks you the same thing, you're a bit... We're all a bit held back to try and share our practices or things that worked for us. So do you think in the field of finance... It's more of a camaraderie. I know you have your network. But do you feel everyone shares equal information?
1: So camaraderie is definitely there. And it's there everywhere in in every field. That includes finance and investments also. So you see a lot of investments or finance are done through a group. Now, whether you share... Uh, knowledge with an wider with a wider audience or not that is something i have not seen too much but i have definitely seen camaraderie and also there are a lot of uh, people who share similar uh, thought process where does camaraderie comes from it's basically coming from your own thought process that you always have some uh, group of people who think alike and There are always tricks of the trade, but most of them are available online. You know, you you could actually go and read out. And nowadays, uh, possibly all the information is available online. So there were days when camaraderie used to work in a very different way, where, you know, some group of people would have confidential information. That is getting reduced now.
0: Okay. So it sounds like the times are changing. That means where people are sharing information and that, you know, even the tiniest guy has an opportunity to try and make it to the big leagues. If given the right mentorship, given the right opportunity and the interest that's generated from himself or herself as well, which I think as somebody who wants everybody to be on the same level playing field, I think it's quite, quite interesting as well. In terms of personal finance practices, now I know we spoke about reducing expenses, making sure you have goals, making sure you save. Are there any hacks that we could take from businesses and apply to like personal finances that give us the edge? What do you think
1: the general public
0: is missing out on?
1: So we talked about it. I think the best practice which I feel we should apply, irrespective, in all our life is, we should always have a budget. In a corporate scenario or in business, every year we sit down. We make a list of uh, what expenses we have and where we are going to get money from. We don't do that enough in our personal life or we don't do it formally. And in business, whenever there is something unusual, you know, we talk about it, whether we incur it, whether we commit to it. We don't do that enough in personal life. Uh, uh, Most of our decisions are impulsive or emotional. I think that is something which I feel that we should uh, learn from businesses. And second thing I feel that we should learn from businesses is that we should work as a team. Like a business is typically... A group of people who come out with ideas, create plans. At home, it's generally like one person is taking all the decisions. So he should uh, involve children as well. You never know the ideas come. The best ideas come from where, and at uh, you know at the best they could actually be a watchful eye on everybody. I would add uh, childrens also to this conversation. So especially whenever it is about personal finances, uh, a new new generation. They have not seen world as much as we have, but they have seen a different world. So they may not know that what is the right uh, investment vehicle. They may not know what is the right valuation at which you should buy. But they have a point, you know, from their own angle, from their own experiences. And you never know. Uh, I'm not savvy enough to know about what is happening, happening in technology. What is happening in the younger world? And most of these effects are decisions. So I would go beyond uh, husband and wife and bring children also in all major decision making. Somewhere in the conversation I mentioned that a lot of time our decisions are impulsive or emotional. So working as a team actually keeps both of you in check. Now they have value to add it may not be appropriate to leave something on anybody and i think that's so something i would say on anybody it has to be always collective if the, if you both share a same vision
0: no i think that's a good point as well it also becomes a source of education for them yeah. you're giving them that valuable experience that they wouldn't get anywhere else yeah. and yeah i'm on board with getting children into the process into those conversations, no matter how difficult they might be as well. So speaking of children being involved in finances, when I was growing up, obviously, my dad didn't share anything with me in terms of information. And I think somewhere down the line, it also gave me a different perspective about how money is managed. Maybe it made me more secretive as well. But I'm trying to be more open about it. Think of money as a resource, rather than Scrooge McDuck collecting gold coins in his little building. So moving away from that mentality, maybe it was even the cartoon that put it in my head. So it's a combination of everything. uh, You know, nature versus nurture as well. But one of the most interesting things that I read last week is, uh, and I was reading this little booklet written by an investor. Um, Have you heard of Jack Bogle?
1: Yes, I have. Yeah. Mm.
0: So I think one of his colleagues wrote his book, and he said when he was growing up, he asked his dad and mom, dad and mom, are we rich? And the funniest thing that his dad told him is like, your mom and I, we're well-to-do, but you don't own a dime. <laughs> 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 and this just blew my mind, Yes. which is so true. Yes. And to be dished out that financial knowledge when you're that young, to know that, um, he his dad isn't saying that you're worthless but he is saying that you have to start from scratch yes. and you have to have your own strategies and your own personal finance ideas to make sure that you build on it and it's completely up to you so the level of independence that that statement gives you I think is something that I missed out on I was taken care of yes and sometimes when you're taken care of I think it might be the worst lesson you can give yes Yes. to somebody younger than you. Even yeah. if it's like a mentee or a child or somebody in college, I think you have to make people accountable for their own finances hmm. so that they learn a little bit also. Yeah, so what when you mentioned that, one of the most interesting lines that I saw is, your mom and dad, yeah, we're well-to-do, yeah. but you don't own a dime. So very, I think really interesting, that line, really caught me off guard also. And I wish... I was told that when I was young as well.
1: You know, very interesting uh, story from my own childhood. So my dad, when I was 10 year old, he gave me 100 rupees. And he said, it's all yours. Do whatever you like. And that was the first time, you know, I started thinking about money. Okay, now I have 100. And 100 used to be a big value in those days. I'm talking about uh, uh, 90s, early 90s. And uh, I made plans for days and I still could not figure out how to spend this 100 rupees. Then I told my dad my problem and he said, you know, it's, it's a good problem. Let's open a bank account for you. And uh, I will give you 100 rupees every year. And you have to come out with, with your own plan, how you want to spend it, where you want to spend it. And you have to just give us a report, you know, what you did. So it's very important that we get childrens educated with money. From the childhood. Uh, I have slightly different take on. Uh, on Telling children you don't have money. Or you don't own our money. I would put it slightly different to my children. If, if my son grows up. Is that okay? This is a collective pool of money. Because it also. So one of the issues. We have. Uh, with generation now is that. That we are too attached to money. There's no feeling of abundance. I I, I have I have experienced is that all my decisions in first 25 years of my life were driven by money. So I would want to create a situation where my son would not start thinking with money. Obviously, money will be his goal, but it will be more like an enabler or like he's. He's a trustee. That's the right way of family money, that he's responsible for it.
0: All right, Gagan. So, if you were a 30-year-old working professional, what would you consider are certain must-haves in terms of personal finance?
1: Brilliant question. If I'm 30-year-old, the biggest must-have I should have is I'm financially independent. Which means that my father does not need to worry about me. That is he going to make money? Is he going to eat tonight? Uh, second must-have is that I should have at least a contingency fund. You know, that okay, for next six months, if I lose my job, I can survive. Jumping on to a next question. How much does
0: national economics affect our personal finances? Ah,
1: This is... This is awesome. This is the question you're asking to the right person who has suffered uh, most. So I, I was, I am an accidental accountant, but I came to Dubai also by accident. So there are a lot of accidents with me. And uh, the question you have you have asked, is the reason for the second accident. They sound like fortunate accidents. Fortunate accidents, absolutely. So when I qualified, finally, my chartered accountancy exam after listening to Jagjit Singh, you know, for a longer <laughs> period. Then I realized that there are no jobs in India now. Because we recently had something called dot-com bust. And everybody is firing employees. So here you are, a chartered accountant, who've seen chartered accountants making money. But it doesn't seem to be true anymore. So... I had a cousin who lived in Dubai, he called me, he said, why don't you come to Dubai, it's booming right now. And that's how I came to Dubai. And it's such an interesting uh, thing that national economy, we don't think how much important it plays. Within five days of coming to Dubai, I had a job in Dubai. And everybody back home was shocked. I had a job at KPMG which was very elite back then in India. So, to answer your question, this is how it impacts. And we can extend the same uh, experience that within four years of coming to Dubai, I was financial controller of a bank. And it kept surprising me every day that, you know, how fast when you can grow when the national economy is growing. Oil prices was going, going up, Dubai economy was going up, and I was growing up. And how fast it can go down, that also can surprise you. So in 2008, we had a depression. We had a recession. And I lost my job. So it tends to, you know, take you high and bring you back very quickly.
0: Have you heard of stories where people are unaffected by this? Are there, Or how rare are they, do you think?
1: I have heard of people being lucky. And that's the best way I can put, because when the economy doesn't do well, when the companies do not make money, then it's just a matter of name, you know, who goes first or who goes second. And you could be lucky that you could survive before things start looking up again.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And given that we are given in this situation of a global pandemic and the stock market seems to be doing something else, while there are massive layoffs in all the companies,
1: how do you make sense of this? So, it's it seems to be very rational to me. Uh, people don't know what to do with their money. Interest rates are going down. So, you don't want to put your money in bank accounts. A lot of banks are failing, which we never heard of. So, they are as risky as stock themselves. So, and real estate is not doing well enough. There's a lot of uh, availability, there's a lot of apartments not being rented. So, where do you put your money into? I already have four houses or three houses now. So, where do I put my money? So, literally, the answer is I don't know. And when the answer is I don't know, then the best place is stock market. Because you know you can invest, you can get out quickly. It's very difficult to sell a house. I can't sell any of my house now. But I know I can sell all my stock if I think. So it makes sense to me that okay. If I don't know anything then I'll put my money into stocks. Uh, But by the way I should also be mindful now that. uh, Because of the pandemic. The real economy is suffering. So sooner or later stocks also will suffer. So it's kind of an iterative process. You know where you have to keep. Looking at things. So, as of now, stocks make sense. But it may not make sense after six months. So, it's it's a continuous process.
0: So, you always have to be on the ball.
1: You always have to be on the ball.
0: You always have to have your eye yes. looking... How many months in the future do you think? Three months? Six months? In the short term?
1: I think every week you have to consider your decisions. Now, wow. Now, the reason I say every week is because... Uh, You read today's newspaper and somebody has tested a vaccine and stock market just goes through the roof. Uh, The next day, there's a news coming out that results are not so great. So it comes down. Now, obviously, there is a limitation that you cannot do it every day. But I would certainly say, you know, a week till the time you see some trend. Now, the biggest trend I see is that, you know, the virus still stays but the countries are starting to move on not without virus but with the virus and i feel that's a direction so that's why i say every month is a good sign that you know you get to know more if in travel is opening up so we are beyond that weekly thing and then sooner i think we should be on six months uh, watchful uh, target and then then a year and i don't know if that changes if we have a second pandemic again so we'll talk again true
0: and i hope there isn't a second one i hope this first one or well definitely not the first one but the latest one teaches us so many lessons that we become resilient and all of our businesses and economies become resilient to such shocks as well at least that's the hope so in closing notes kagan tell us your final thoughts on personal finance
1: so personal finance uh, it's very important that we understand What is personal finance? Personal finance is a mean. It's not an end. If somebody asks me, okay, what goal should I have? My answer is that, okay, what's your expectations from life now and going forward? Uh, So you could start with basics that, okay, you should be stable enough as a starting point. But you should also consider that, okay, what are your expectations going forward? And personal finance... It's something that allows you to live those expectations. Now those expectations are personal. Somebody like you who want to be financially free. Somebody like me who wants to retire and not do anything. And somebody who just wants to keep accumulating more and more money for the sake of just giving it as a donation. So let's understand what is personal finance and let's define milestones. And in business, we call it budget. And let's just keep following it up.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I want to add to that is also discipline. That's something that I've grasped from what you've said so far. You've not said it explicitly, but I know there's a certain amount of discipline that goes into sticking to your goals, sticking to your milestones. Yeah. So I feel like it goes without saying that a budget... Or these practices that we own in personal finance goes with a certain amount of discipline as well. Because you have to stick to your plans. Making a plan is one thing and then following through is the next thing that you definitely need the discipline to do. So excellent points there, Gagan. I feel like I've definitely exhausted all the questions that I have. I know we've covered like a whole different spectrum of questions in terms of personal finance, global economy teaching our kids about how to handle money. I want to definitely talk about your business here as well. Um, What is it that you do and what is it the service that you provide?
1: So I'm a chartered accountant and we provide consultancy services to our clients on accounting, VAT. So UAE is an evolving place. It used to be a a tax heaven. So there was virtually no text. So this is an opportunity. This is a time when a lot of people need advice on the new and upcoming laws which are affecting their businesses. So that was an opportunity where I felt that, you know, we uh, can start a practice. This is the right time. And it also coincides with the birth of my son, Khush, three years ago. So it was an opportunity for me to manage my own schedule be financially independent like you said and we kind of connected all dots then and it's been a beautiful journey for three years now and Dubai or UAE uh, keeps getting more and more regulated in terms of taxes so there is a new tax law coming up which is economics substance regulation which is called ESR so I see uh, good times for accountants at least uh, despite the pandemic, and I'm uh, like I said, you know, I'm feeling fortunate that every day is a new day for me, and I interact with clients across segments. So that's keeping us motivated. Uh, we deal with clients in e-commerce, we deal clients in healthcare, we deal clients with education, real estate. So there no two businesses are same, no two clients are uh, having similar problems, and we keep enjoying our journey
0: it sounds like it definitely sounds interesting it seems like it'll keep you motivated for a really really long time and i i'm sure there's knowledge out there but i'm sure there's equal confusion out there as well and the service that you provide i hope provides value to all your clients as well and i'm sure with a grounded person such as yourself with that wealth of experience and knowledge and the level-headedness that I've perceived in our conversation today. I hope that translates into the work that you do as well. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you so much for sharing your life stories, your
1: experiences. Thank you again. Thank you.
0: So that brings us to the end of a brief discussion on personal finance what did you think? If you ask me, we've only scratched the surface. There's so much more to talk about and discuss. And the best way to spur discussion is to ask questions. I'd love to hear your thoughts and any follow-up questions you may have. So please do reach out. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. As always, thanks so much for listening and catch you on the next one.